Sorry for the late upload of yesterday's show. I had some technical issues. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports talk a part of your day, my family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of four major franchises and one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do it a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football, ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Mooyah Billings. Yeah, I had uh, some issues um, getting uh, yesterday's podcast uploaded, and it was uploaded rather late, unfortunately. So here's where we sit. Um, It actually got uploaded um, like an hour or two before I hit play of this recording. That's that's how late. So um, majority of you will... Um, if you uh, listen on a regular basis, we'll uh, double dip uh, because from yesterday and and today's show. Um, but I, I, happy Wednesday to you now that I think about it. So um, it's uh, uh, middle of the week and a lot a lot going on uh for for everybody but uh you're we're halfway there and um yeah so uh i don't have anything uh to get into as it pertains to me and in 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 my life um i'm just uh um just you know bummed that uh yesterday's show got up uh pretty pretty late um. Yeah, I recorded it late. It was almost a three-hour show. I d- I don't think it makes the record, but it's pretty close. So it's a long one. So you know, uh, those of you that already have listened, uh, I would assume you listen to that one before you listen to this one. Maybe you're listening to this one. You listen to this one first, and then then that one. I don't know. Um, but for today, we only have uh, well, not only have we have. Um, Asia Cardinals, they, they got their act together and I give them free plug all the time, you know, Google sound credits, azcardinals.com. Um, it's a great place to go. I mean, they are by far the best at giving you just about every coverage you can find, uh, for, for their, their, uh, their organization. But, uh, because of yesterday, um, we have yesterday's, um, no, it, um, Monday's press conference from uh, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Victor D. Mukherjee also spoke to the media on Monday. And then our typical uh, Tuesday lineup of Drew Petzing, Nick Rollis, and Jeff Rogers. Uh, I know last week we only had um, uh, Drew Petzing and Jeff Rogers, and then we did Nick Rollis later. Um but we have all three of those guys. That's courtesy of azcardinals.com. Um, and then uh, all we have it really is uh, Kenny Dillingham for about five, six minutes um, from yesterday's uh, uh, media availability after practice yesterday. And then um, we'll, we'll talk uh, Diamondbacks at the end. Um because they're one of the hotter teams right now. Not the hottest, but one of the hotter teams. We'll kind of 
um, really get into uh, a, a little bit more deeper dive into the uh, remaining schedule. I already talked about it, but you know we'll we'll talk about what's at stake and um, just a little bit about uh, who you know easier schedule, harder schedule, like we've done before. You know, um, coming off of the break, you know, I I, I was like you know Diamondbacks clearly have the hard harder schedule. Um, and just kind of what the playoffs are is, is looking like. Uh, so we'll get deeper into that uh, a little bit more than we did yesterday. So all that is coming up. But first things first, some Cardinals. <laughs> Goodness gracious, sorry that one snuck up on me. I just, something caught my throat. And um, that was rough. But anyway, um, Cardinals... Uh, will be first and uh, then then all the rest. Uh, that's all up next on uh, Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy, Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. So, um, Monday, as per usual... Uh, Jonathan Gannon will speak to the media and, and usually a player or two, um, you usually want one most of the time. Sometimes the, the, w- there will be two that they are in, you know, watching a film and working out and nothing, you know, team organized necessarily. I mean, well, other than, you know, Hey, the team says, Hey, you have to be in, you know, do this and that before they get on the grass again for the, uh, for the week. Um, but, uh, like I said, JG did uh, give of his time, uh, Monday, um, just further talk about, um, after watching the film, what he saw and then, you know, what, what's, uh, what's the plan going forward, some injury updates and, and whatnot. So, uh, here is Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, he's going to miss some time, um, but he'll be back. So I put him on IR today, but uh, he'll get ready to go here pretty soon and be ready to roll. Did you say if he tore the hamstring? He did not. And the training camp, you said that Buddha's one of those guys that you circle on tape saying, who is that guy? Who on your defense right now you think could take that place? Yeah, all of them. We all got to rally around. You're never going to you know, replace a Buddha Baker, but we got guys that we feel comfortable getting the job done, playing winning football for us. So, um, 
you know, everyone's just got to do their job and we'll be okay. I feel like that guy is someone we've heard about a lot. And, and that, that guy is uh, the, the one and only Gardeck the Barbarian, Dennis Gardeck. I mean, he has stepped up big time. Not not necessarily in, in Buda Baker's place um, because they're two totally different positions, but I, I'm sure you know he, he, he's stepping up leadership-wise and in other ways. But, um, I, I, you know, as far as that room, I want to see more of Jalen Thompson. I want to see more of Jalen Thompson. But Dennis Gardeck is definitely stepped up, and he needs to continue to do so, and I'm sure he will. No, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, kind of what I said, tail of two halves and we got to coach and play better. You know, in the second half, we had a lead and we lost the lead and didn't do enough to win the game. Um, all three phases goes into that and complimentary football goes into that. And um, our guys know what we got to get done and improve that quickly if we think we're going to close out leads and, and get some wins here. Is, is finishing a thing, or is it just a continuation of good football? Continuation of good football, Darren. You know what I mean? That's, you know, you, the momentum here and there. I don't really buy into all that. I buy into execution and coaching and playing well. And that's what we got to do better for four quarters, because we've shown that we can do it um, for a period of time. We just got to make sure we do it for 60 minutes. Why is it so hard just the last two weeks, just in general, to play four good quarters of football and be able to do that? They got to say, too. You know, uh, that's what I always kind of say. Like they're they're paid as as we are. You know, so um, they made some plays that we didn't make, truthfully. And you know, so we got to clean up some things. And it starts with the coaches first to make sure our guys are detailed out and understand exactly what we're trying to get out of everything that we're trying to do, and coach and play a little bit better. I can't remember who who said it, but it's basically the same thing as Jonathan Gannon and. Uh, but there's someone that says it a lot, but, you know, uh, the, the old saying, uh, the defense gets a vote too. And you can throw special teams in there too. I, th I think you can have a pretty big impact on special teams to, to you know, sway the game one way or another, of course. Um, but, you know, when, when you go 11-on-11, hey, that other side of the field. And I say that all the time, you know, to, to you know, off the air and, and even on – to friends and family and, and whatnot. And I had a conversation one time with uh, with my uncle. And, you know, he's he's a big Chiefs guy. I still can't remember why. And he, he supports the Cardinals. And he kind of kind of like, he's not necessarily a Cardinals fan, but he's a Cardinals supporter because uh, he's lived in Arizona for majority of his life. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I was talking about uh, going, I think it was the game I was going to go see the Saints and uh, or see the Cardinals and the Saints that I actually went to. I can't remember, but I was talking about it, and you know, he was like, "Oh, that's an easy win, you know, for uh, for the Saints." And I said, "Well, um, you know, the uh, defense gets paid too," and. Uh, you know, he, I think he knew what I meant, but he was just like, well, you know, I'm not talking about actual pay. And I said, I'm not either. I'm saying, you know, hey, there, there, there's pride on the other side of, of that football. 
and you know uh they you know every guy has you know regardless of what team has to do their job that, that's bill belichick right there that's all he cares about is no distractions and do your job that that's that's all it comes down to and uh that you know defense has a vote too and uh but there's no doubt that the cardinals have to f- execute execute better they executed great for you know about 3 um uh, well two quarters and about 5 5 minutes into the third or some somewhere in there they, you know the the Darren asked what what does it mean to to finish and is it this or is it you know play all four quarters of good football and well of course the answer is all good uh, uh all four quarters of good football um but obviously the that question was prompted by everybody uh after the game saying hey we got to we got to finish we got to finish we got to finish 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 and so the uh that is it's it's a cliche question and answer but that's quite frankly what the Cardinals have to learn to do. And they, they've played a lot better than I expected. Uh, I'm still uh, three wins and under. But, uh, you know, it's looked better than what I expected. I would say that. A guy like Josh Dobbs, who's, who's come late in a leadership role, he's trying to become one of the guys. When you see him run over a guy and go to the end zone. What does that do for, yeah. for his... You, you saw the sideline. I mean, he's a competitor. You know what I mean? The guys know that about him, but I thought that was an excellent play. He used his legs on that one. You know, they covered the route pretty good. And uh, an explosive run for a touchdown, especially the way that he finished it. You know, that's uh, it was a primetime play. How did Connor come out of the, of the game? He had the cap going into the game, but he cuts it up. Yeah, he he played extremely well. Um, we kind of rode the hot hand there a little bit, you know. I, I actually wanted to get him, um, some other guys involved a little bit more, but he was rolling pretty good and uh, played extremely well. You know, he played winning football yesterday. What are you finding your role is when things kind of start to go south, when execution isn't as high as it needs to be, and they're making plays. Yeah, you got to talk to the coaches and see what's going on. You know, what I mean, in real time, and then you know the game adjusts for the play callers as the score and time adjusts. So, just the resource for those three guys, you know, with Jeff, Drew, and Nick, and um, you know, you try to encourage a little bit and try to solve problems. Really, you know, you see things going on that aren't right. Uh, you got to be a problem solver on game day. So I think myself and all the coaches got to do a little bit better job. Carlos, going out relatively early, how much of an impact do you think it had in terms of maybe playing some guys more than they normally would in the rotation? That's a good question. You know, we, we used, we had, you know, five up last yesterday and he went out pretty early. So now you only got four up and we play three of those guys a lot of times. So, you know, their their play counts were a little high for my liking, but that's, you know, the hand that you were dealt with him getting hurt. Um, but I thought those guys battled. They played hard. Um, you know, Banks and Stills, you know, they that was their first game to be up and playing. I thought they did a pretty good job. Led played well, you know, but, yeah, that hurts the depth when guys start getting injured, you know. We're evaluating right now. He's got, a, he's got an arm, Nick and a bicep there. Uh, we had a banker on the sideline yesterday. With no, I told him to stay home. On, uh, on offense, you 
offense with Josh, you know, so great in the first half, and then the second half was it certain things they were doing? What were they doing on defense to kind of take some of that away? Yeah, I, I think that you know they tightened up a little bit. They changed a couple coverage structures, but um, you know I'm sure if you talk to Josh, he wants a couple plays back. We had the one good drive that we responded real well. Um, you know, got the two-point conversion. And I think, you know, just a couple of those, you know, there's a couple negative yards plays. We cleaned some of that up, I felt, but we still went backwards a little bit. And, um, like, again, they have a say, too, but we got to clean some of those things up, some things on technique, some things on scheme, some things on fundamentals, you know, but that gets you behind the sticks a little bit. It's just hard, you know, in today's NFL. So uh, I I thought he played extremely well, though. I liked how he operated. Made some, like we said, made some plays with his legs, with his arm. Um, so I, I feel like, uh, just like all of us, we got to put four quarters together. There was some uh, loud opposing fan noise there yesterday. Did four false starts in the in the second half? Do you attribute that to the opposing? No, fan? I mean our guys know you got to be able to coach and play in any environment. So we got to operate. You didn't deal with that. Philly at all I'm taking yeah, but what, is that something you might have to start taking into account no we prep our guys with the environment we got to execute How's, uh, good good as far as I just uh, late in the game it, I saw him more than that he should look like uh, maybe yeah he's okay Michael Wilson had half the snaps he did from week one is there a reason for that or is that just I think just a little bit of game plan you know what I mean how he decided to attack him but he played extremely well had the one big third down you know he blocked extremely well so he'll be a part of what we do despite how the games ended is there any part of you that's pleased with how what kind of jump the offense took from yeah, I mean, we scored 20 points and a half. You know what I mean? We scored 28 points. That's that's a winning performance, in my opinion. So we got to do enough on the other two phases to win the game there. But yeah, I thought that um, the jump was evident. We could regenerate some explosives. We ran the ball pretty good. Got out of some holes when we got knocked back a couple times. We got out of those. Um, that was encouraging to see. And you know, we'll try to put together a good plan, do the same thing. But I thought they played well. Susie, it looked like Marco was kind of upset at the end of the game. It looked like he was talking with you. Yeah, he just he was probably wanting some plays back. You know what I mean. So it's just like all our guys, they're prideful guys, and they want to play well and help the team win. And that was just, hey, you got to play the next play. That's over with, and then you know on to the next one. So he'll, uh, he's uh, he 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 gave up some plays. I'm sure he wants back, but he's one of our better players, and he's got to play that way, and he will. Do you see Andre Sashray getting a bigger role with Buda out? Yeah, I thought Andre came in, came, stepped up and played well. Um, had a couple tackles, a couple PBUs. You know, he's as smart as they come. That's why he's here. Um, yeah, we'll continue to evaluate who we think is the best people to put out there in different packages, things like that. But um, on pretty short notice there with Buddha getting hurt on Friday, came in and played extremely well. That is uh, most certainly encouraging and, and of, of course, uh, uh Great, you know, to have a guy go down and someone else come in and and you know play pretty decently um, on uh, defense on short notice. Yeah, uh, I'll. That's what you want, most certainly. Victor D. Mukherjee, um also spoke to the media, uh, and so um, he's he's uh, uh, hasn't. Uh, we hadn't heard his name a whole heck of a lot. Doesn't mean he's not, you know, playing pretty good. And he's on that on the line 
Um, so, um, you know, front seven, if you will. Uh, so we'll uh, get a listen into how he thought the game went for, for him personally and, and as, as a team. Um, you know, we just came out a little flat, you know, just little things we need to fix going into next week. What do you take from that game? Is it more encouraging that at times the defense has played really, really well, or is it frustrating that you can't seem to sustain it through four quarters so far this year? I mean, the last two games we had leads, and um, you could see we playing with a lot of effort, you know. You know, we just back to work, get back to practice, and try to finish games off. Kaiser said post game that it's natural instinct to kind of let your foot off the pedal a little bit once you look at the scoreboard. Is that something you sensed on the field that the energy was lower, or? I want to say that I'll say the Giants came out ready to play in the second half. Um, they played a better game than us in the second half, and you know we just got to look at what we messed up on and um, get back to work. You guys played in like eight more minutes in the second half than you did in the first half. Was that a factor at all? You think that's being on the field so much longer? I wouldn't say that, um, you know, it don't matter how long we're on the field, you know, we expect to make plays, get off the field, and give the offense back the ball. So it's definitely just, you know, us not making the plays we have to make, and, you know, we just got to fix that. You guys were talking about a variety in your fronts mm-hmm. or throughout. What do you like about Nick's creativity in designing, you know, was it three outside linebackers and no linemen or one, three, whatever it is? What do you like about that? Um, Nick is a mastermind, you know, if you look at the outside linebacker room, we have like different body types, like seven of us. So, you know, he do, he does a great job, you know, giving different looks, giving different mixes. And um, sometimes you forget it's his first year doing this as a defense coordinator. You know, he's a mastermind and he's great at what he does. Why are those work so effective? Cause it keeps the offense thinking, you know, what's coming next. You know, when you see like four outside linebackers, there's a lot of speed on the field. You know, it might be a different blocking scheme you have to give us or, um, you know, it's just a different look, and it keeps them thinking. They don't know if, you know, somebody's dropping or somebody's rushing. You know, it just keeps them thinking the whole time. What about Rob Rodriguez? How much do you think that he has helped your game? And then also, is it also just a natural process of you getting experience? Oh, yeah, Rob, he's done a great job. Um, um, he's taking my game to the next level, you know, teaching us different techniques, pass rushing-wise, run blocking-wise. Um, you know, he's a mastermind when it comes to, you know, coaching outside linebackers and um, he's helped me and my teammates, you know, improve our game a lot. Where do you think, what part of your game do you think has improved the most since this new regime's come in? Um, I'll say, you know, I'm just playing a lot faster. Um, you know, in the um, pass rush, you know, using my hands better and just eff- overall effort running to the ball and just a, ho- a greater, like, confidence level when I'm out there. How gratifying is it to kind of see that leap in your game? Um, it's definitely um, it's a big deal for me because I've been here for this is my third year and um, you know I'm trying to take that huge step in my game and you know it's paying off so far. You know we just got to keep building off of it. You know keep trying to put the team in the positions to win and just keep getting better every week. Victor, you've been here a couple couple years now, so you've probably seen and heard it. How do you guys, you and maybe some of the other guys, deal with hearing the fans of the other team? making things pretty loud for them when you're at Um, You know, it's part of the game. You know, we just try to block out the outside noise, you know, whatever it is, you know, if it's the fans or anybody else talking, you know, we just try to block that off, play our game, and just come out there and compete each and every day. Victor, you talked about 
talked earlier about we got to make plays. How much of that was schematic? How much of that were, were guys just not making plays or were just in the wrong place? Um, I, I mean, I feel like we all um, try to make plays when we're put in position to. And sometimes we just miss some plays. You know, it's football. You know, you can't make every play, and you just have to bounce back next time you get the opportunity. Dennis talked last week about the competition that there is within your group. There's a mm -hmm. bunch of guys you know, looking for snaps. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that, that competition, how you do you know, compete a little bit with each other. It's definitely competition. I'll say it's healthy competition. You know, we all feed off each other's energy. Like, if I see Dennis get a sack, I'm like, good job, bro. Like, then I go out there and try to, you know, get make a play too. So we just guys, you know, I wouldn't say it's like just competition. It's just us feeding off each other and you know, all like playing for each other. You know, we we have love for each other in that room, and um, you know, we just guys hungry trying to make plays. There's a lot of Cowboy fans everywhere. It seems like, do you mm -hmm. expect Sunday to feel like an away game for you guys? Um, I mean, I know they have a good fan base. Um, but as I said, we always try to block out the outside noise. So if there's a lot of Cowboy fans or Arizona fans, you know, we just going to go out there, run to the ball, make some plays, and win the game. How cool is it for you to see Duke off to a great start? <laughs> it feels great. You know, that Clemson game, you know, I couldn't stop talking. I, I told all the – I called all my guys, like, like, man, I'm proud of those boys, man. They, they, make, they changed that program. You can imagine it would be at this point, at this point in time? Man. I didn't. I didn't know what to expect, but you know, I heard a lot of good stuff about the new coach, and um, you know, he's doing a great job there, and I hope he keeps it up. You mentioned what Nick and Rob have met to you guys. How, how long? We know it's still a work in progress. Everyone can improve, but how long did it take you feel for you and everyone to feel comfortable with the new, you know, whatever was new in terms of the coaching? Um, I say we feel comfortable. You know, it's still early in the season. But I feel like, you know, each and every week we expect to make progress and continue to improve. But as far as the scheme, I feel like, you know, it's understandable. We know what we're doing out there. We just have to, you know, go out there and finish games off when it comes down to it. What do you see out of Pollard? Oh, he, he's, a, he's a good running back. You know, he runs really hard. Um, I think I played him my rookie year. Um, that was one of the games I played, like, you know, more than 30 snaps my rookie year. And um, he's definitely a physical runner, you know, smart guy. Um, it's definitely going to be a, a good battle and a good game. You guys have lost two games now, but you've had the lead at halftime in both of them. How difficult is it for you personally just to lose those games? How tough are those losses? Um, you know, we just have to we just have to find ways to finish the games off. You know, we know we could do it. You know, you've seen it. Um, we're up like most like most of the game most of the time. So we know we could do it. We just have to you know put it all together, try to find a way to get it done and just play all four quarters. What makes it so hard to put together a four-quarter game? That's a tough question. You know, it's the NFL, it's football. Um, you know, every game, is going, you're going to have your up and downs, ups and downs. So, um, you know, the, like yesterday, um, we had a good first half. You know, everything was going our way. And then Giants, you know, they came out, like, stronger. So it's it's hard to, to play a, a, a a full game. We just have to, you know, find ways to finish the game off as far as scheme, running to the ball, you know, controlling your fatigue, getting in better shape, and just executing the, the plays better. I don't always see a guy, you don't always see a guy come from a new team and then come in here and take a leader, big leadership role right away like Kaiser. Uh, mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you see from him in terms of that way as a leader? Oh, Kaiser, he's a dog. Um, 
just just his presence, you know, he came in OTAs, making plays. I think he got like a pick the first practice. And just his leadership, you know, when he walks in the room, you know, he's well respected. And God, guys know he takes the game seriously. So he kind of feeds off his energy to the whole defense, the whole team. And having a guy like that on this defense and on your team, you know, makes you want to run through a wall for him and, you know, just play together. Play with him. Is there something different in the second half versus the first half, or is it just making plays? I'll say just making plays. We got to limit the explosives. Um, I think they came out there and scored in three plays. So, you know, just limiting the explosives and, you know, keeping the momentum with us, you know, just going out there and playing the second half like it's the first half and, you know, just running to the ball, being a gritty defense and just playing and finishing the game off. Did you feel momentum change in the second half? Did you, could you feel it on sidelines? I didn't. I wouldn't say I felt it, but if you watch the game, you know, you'll see the Giants came out and they executed in the second half better than we did. So, you know, we just had to find a way to finish games off. There you go again. You know, said multiple times, right, especially there at the end, that they, they got to find a way to uh, finish them off. So, um, it you know, simple. But uh, simple said, but uh, not necessarily as simply, simply, simply done. Gosh, I could not say that for the life of me. Um, now we'll move on to the uh, press uh, availability that we typically have um, from Tuesday, which was yesterday, rather. And... Um, um, We'll start with Drew Petzing, offensive coordinator. The other day that he felt like the offense did its job well enough that you guys should win the game. How do you feel about that kind of? Yeah, I, I think my message, and this was my message in the room, is is our goal and is always to score more than they do, and we didn't do that. So I think at the end of the day, you know, we have to be better on offense. We got to find a way to score more points. Uh, yes, very encouraged by how we played, and certainly did things better than we did in week one. Uh, but we need to continue to grow and continue to improve, and that's always going to be our mindset. Really, win or lose. Um, so that was kind of the message, kind of Monday morning. I like how matter of a fact, both. Well, it, I you know all the staff is. We hadn't heard uh, from Nick and and Jeff, but they, they you know we we have heard them previously and and how matter of fact they are that they're like yeah you know i'm happy about it but no we didn't do our job like that's the bottom line we didn't do our job um jg you know same same thing pretty much uh uh we we need we need to do the job and like any question that kind of seemed like um excuse whether it's crowd noise to do this especially that crowd noise one he you know he shot those down immediately he said no 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 we, you know, we have professionals there. Uh, I, you know, I don't care about the crowd noise. We need to be able to play and execute. Drew Petzing, hey, you know, JG said that uh, he felt like the offense, for the most part, did their job. Well, you know, here's my message to, to the guys that we had, uh, you know, on Monday. You know, uh, our goal is to score more points to the other team. We didn't do that. that. You know, point point blank. I love that about this group. Longer drive might have changed the game, even if you don't score. What's the concern there? 
in the last two weeks, really, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think, and I know JG hit on it. I think it comes down to execution, and it certainly comes down to play calling. You know, I got to get those guys in position to make plays at the end of the game. We need to lock in and feel confident that we can execute in critical situations. I certainly have that confidence in the players. I want them to have it in themselves. Um, but that's something certainly we're going to take a look at because you know, it got us here the first two weeks of the season. After watching film, what was the main difference between the halves offensively? Yeah, I think it's kind of what we just talked about. I think it's a combination of play calling and execution. You know, you're always going to try to find ways to keep a defense off balance and get your best players the ball, and they're going to try to find ways to take that away. And for whatever reason, they're down the stretch. We didn't execute the way we wanted to and certainly felt like I could have given them some better opportunities. Did you call the game any differently later than you did earlier? Uh, I mean, not necessarily from a, like a, hey, we're going to get to this or do that. Uh, it's always kind of a, hey, what are we getting from them? Where are we in the game? What do we need to do to be successful? So you certainly don't want to just repeat the same calls as you go through the game. You're, you know, you're trying to find the next call that's going to keep them off balance and, and allow you to be successful. What the defense is doing, and sometimes certainly that's a part of it. I know at the end, I mean, James had, had obviously ran really well. But again, at the end, his last several carries just, I mean, how, and that affects drive, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, anytime you, you get stopped at or near the line of scrimmage, you put yourself in some second and third and longs, it, it can be a harder game uh, against that defense, really against any defense. Those are situations we're going to try to stay out of. And I, I think for the most part, that game we did and then kind of got into those late in the game, which was hard. That first half, he really got going, had 100 yards by like the middle of the third quarter. What would you like out of him kind of that first, you know, 35, 37 minutes? Yeah, I think the big thing, and this is him as a player, like just the intensity, the physicalness that he brings to the offense, the decision making, uh, kind of that leadership. It's 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 really the full package. I was really pleased with kind of how he played, the way he carried himself, and just the way he you know he goes throughout every game. Really, what was the biggest difference or improvement from Josh from week one to week two that you saw and gives you confidence going forward with him running this offense? Yeah, I think a big part of it was his confidence. I think you could feel that in the way he was playing the game and the way he was making decisions and the way he was taking ownership in and out of huddle on the sideline with the guys. So I uh, was really encouraged by that and certainly expected to continue. Is that ideal for James, that, you know, that, many, that amount of carries and touches? And think that he can handle that going forward game in, game out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to, you know, obviously going to ride the hot hand. I thought he was running the ball really well, so I wanted to get him carries. But there's a lot of good players in that room, so I got no problem if, hey, some games is going to come up different based on flow or feel of the game or number of reps we get. So not an, a big concern of mine, but I feel like he's fully capable of handling that. How do you guys determine that? Is that something that um, Audrey's moving his guys in and out as a running back coach, or do you guys have a say in, okay, we want James in here on this I think it's a combination. There's certainly a, hey, this is a play he runs really well. We want to make sure he's in there for it. Hey, this is how many reps we would like him to get during the course of the game. Um, and then, hey, if you're on a really long series, like, guys get tired. Like, he may tap out, hey, I need two or three plays off to catch my breath. Great. Let's get those other guys in there. So I think it's a balance as you go through the game of figuring out, hey, there's certain things we want him in there on. Certain series, we may need him. Other series, we may want the other guys for different reasons. Um, so I think that's kind of a balance based on game to game and obviously the flow of the game, depending on how many reps you've had as an offense. Take us through Josh's big touchdown run, just what you saw from the sideline. Yeah, I think the, the big thing, you know, obviously had, had a pass up that he made a great decision and, and saw kind of the pocket open. You know, I think the offensive line did an unbelievable job of creating a very clean running lane, and everybody downfield was kind of matching their routes, so it kind of left him clean in the middle of the field to make that decision. And then certainly when he got to about the 10, 8-yard line, I think, you, every, you know, I was like, is he going to slide? What's he going to do? And I, I think it became very evident that he was not going to, and I uh, was really excited for him to see him get in the end zone and finish that playoff. Penalties are crucial points, plays called back, all starts on that final drive. 
What do you say to your offense to clean it up week three? Yeah, I think one of the quotes that, and this is true in critical situations, sometimes it's true with teams in the red zone that I've heard you know, over the years of coaching is heightened awareness, not anxiety. Like as you get into critical situations, yes, like you need to be more aware, you need to be more locked in, but it shouldn't come with anxiousness or anxiety. And I think that's a natural feeling as a human. Like you get into big moments in anything in your life, there's that kind of like feeling of butterflies. And so I think we have to collectively, coaches included, just kind of settle down, understand that those situations are going to arise and make sure we're prepared to handle them a little bit better than we did, you know, on Sunday. Approach a, a defense that's playing as well as the Cowboys are. Yeah, it's a great group. I mean, certainly extremely talented. You know, Dan Quinn does a great job as a coach has for a long time. Um, so we're going to kind of pick it together, you know, pick it apart over these you know next 48 hours and try to see where the matchups are that we think are favorable. How do we get our best players the ball and how do we keep them off balance? I think that's you know kind of the battle you go through every week. And certainly these guys could pr uh, create some unique challenges for a number of reasons. How do you stop Micah Parsons specifically? Uh, so far, I don't think you can. <laughs> um, but no, that's our task. I think that's going to be the focus. Obviously, he's you know one of the better defensive players in the entire league. Um, so he's earned that respect, and certainly we're going to give him that respect in terms of the way that we call the game, put the plan together, and go out there and try to execute. Those penalties, the false start, was it a little strange to hear the, the noise from the opposing team's fans? And I guess I don't know how much you dealt with it in other places. You've been, <coughs> I mean, here being the first time here, you know, hearing that for the first time, was that kind of strange? No, I think it, you know. It, I think the biggest thing in that situation is when we're communicating in the line of scrimmage, we all got to make sure that we remember the snap count and that we're locked in on what we're trying to accomplish. I think there was a little bit of lack of focus more than anything. I don't think you know. I think our fans did a great job all game, so was really encouraged by that, and we just got to lock in in those key moments. Anticipate keeping the same five guys in the offensive line going forward. Staying rolling with that group. Yeah, yeah. Excited about how that group played. Certainly, we're you know we're always going to look to get better, but uh, I was really encouraged by the the way that they've gelled and, and played together. Yeah, we score 20 points a, a, a half. I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> um, no, I think it's uh, – yeah, that, I think there's a great example of what we want to be. We ran the ball. We play action. We operate on third down. Protection was really clean. We kept the quarterback clean. We were able to create explosive plays in both phases. So, I think any time you can do that, you create a lot of indecision for the defense. Like, who are we trying to stop? How are we trying to stop it? Um, and that allows you to be multiple and allows you to kind of keep people on their heels a little bit. Solid in the run game and made two big catches in that game. What, your, what was your evaluation of Trey McBride? Yeah, I think, I think Trey's playing at a really high level. I told him that. I think he, you know, just his, similar to what we talked about, James, the, the physical aspect of his play, on top of his ability to show up in the passing game and separate from man-to-man -man coverage and go out there and you know catch and run once the ball's in his hand. I think really makes him a dynamic player, doing a great job. Greg Dorch hasn't had a role in the first two games on offense. Just curious, is that the guys are ahead of him? Packages that are being used or a combination of both? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think it's going to depend. Hey, you get into a 75, 80 play game and you're on the ball a lot, he's going to he's gonna be in there. I fully trust him. I thought he did a great job this preseason of learning the offense, going out there and playing at a high level. Um, but every game comes up different. And so whether it's the packages or the personnel that we want to utilize that game, um, you know, haven't seen him out there maybe as much as, as you may moving forward. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Nick Rollis. Yeah, I mean, you always want to rotate on the D-line. So I don't know if that's necessarily the biggest obstacle to overcome is how are we going to rotate now. Like we talked about, everybody up front who has a jersey on game day, you want them to get a good amount of snaps. You want to stay fresh up, up front. And, um, 
you know, obviously with the injuries, it's it's guys have to step up and play well. And that's one thing that I appreciate about our roster is I feel like we have really good depth, you know, especially up front where I'm comfortable whoever's stepping in there for, for guys that are out. I feel good with, with the guys we got to go out there and play good on first, second down, pass downs, all of it. Not having Baker, uh, what do you lose from that? And then what did you like from Sasharay? Yeah, so um, obviously Buddha is a special player, and that's that's hard to replace. Um, it takes it takes all eleven to replace, you know, what he brings to the table. It's not just Dre. I was happy with how Dre went in there and played at safety. You know, that's that's the safety role. But what about the leadership role? What about the energy? What about the ability to take the ball away? It takes all 11 guys on the field to be able to to make up for what you're missing there when, when Buddha is out. And, you know, we just got to we got to bring that type of energy that Buddha plays with. You know, all 11 guys that are out there, they got to play with that kind of energy. You've been doing a lot of different things up front, whether it's three outside linebackers and one defensive lineman, four outside linebackers, no defensive lineman. Where does that creativity in terms of play design come from? The opponent really to start um, the opponent and then, you know, not just their offensive line, but the quarterback's ability to move in the pocket, um, scheme, their protection schemes, how they set in protection, uh, who who do we have, what's our skill set, who's available for the week. Like that all plays a role and that happens on Mondays and Tuesdays to figure out what is the best grouping to go out there. And it, it'll look different every week, it, it will, um, which that's kind of the fun part of the job a little bit. and. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of the fitting the pieces. To, I call it the the pressure matrix. Like, what is the matrix we're putting together? And and you can start to kind of like, whew, there's there's a lot of details to this as far as I'm trying to get these matchups or I'm trying to, you know, get this for the quarterback, whatever that is. Like, just that's the the game planning week to week adaptability. Is it all you or is that you? No, it's a collective collective effort from from the entire defense staff. Did you get a sense of, or do you understand maybe what happened in the second half in terms of the way the Giants were able to move the ball? I mean, was the, was it a stamina issue? Did you guys get gassed? I mean, no, it wasn't a stamina issue. Like, you know, obviously just I'll say this, like the, that second half is obviously very disappointing. Um, Jonathan talks about all the time, takes all three phases to win, and I don't feel like we did that defensively. We didn't pull our part in the second half to, to finish that game. Um, I thought that the effort was there. I thought the motor was there. It was honestly uh, a lack of executing at a high level. And it, it starts with me. And obviously, there's play calls in there that should have been different and should have put us in a better position for they started really chucking the ball deep third level routes. And I should have put us in some better positions to, to take away the, those concepts. Um, but yeah, I think we could, as a whole, coaches and players execute at a higher level in the second half. Not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean get conservative, but we, we got to communicate and, and finish that game. And um, the cool thing was is, is yesterday, like from the coaches to the players, it was complete ownership. It wasn't thinking about could have been, what should have, could have, would have. It was how do I have to do my job better so that we can learn how to finish that game, right? And so, don't look at that as a woe is me type of experience or situation. Look at it as a, a learning ex experience to where when you get in that situation, you have to finish that game. And, um, you know, hopefully we've we've learned our lesson on what we have to do to, to capitalize and come on with a, with a win. You mentioned the 
defensive line and, and being comfortable with all the rotations. But you know, Kevin and Jonathan played, especially when Carlos went out, played a lot of snaps. They did. And then Kevon and Andre played a lot of snaps. Is there concern about about that and not really having a lot of guys that that, you, that play a lot more? Yeah, you know, I think in the back end, guys have to be able to play the whole game. Um, linebackers, DBs, they got to be able to go however many plays. It was 68 or so. Um, but up front, you do want to rotate those guys. So I thought, you know, Kevin and uh, Ledbetter, they got a little high with their reps. And that obviously part of that is when with injuries happen, you have to be able to um, change that throughout the game and, and adjust, whether that's by packages or just how you're rotating them. So I, I got to do a better job communicating that. Um, and getting the, the reps a little bit even. Like I said, anyone up front that's got a jersey, they got to play a good amount of snaps, keep it fresh up front. Fourth down conversion, Daniel Jones ran for it. What goes into that? Is that him just making a play? And how deflating can something be like that? How do you kind of pick your defense up for the rest of the drive or something like that? Yeah, you know, um, that was part of the plan. We knew Daniel had the ability to, to get out of the pocket and run. And, um, you know, we, we got to execute that better, whether that's by the call or just how we rushed and not let him out of the pocket. And when, when people convert, I mean, you got to play the next play. You don't have much choice to sit there and uh, kind of sulk over it. So, you know, that's, that's something we train ourselves to try to be resilient. And, okay, they completed it. We'll get it corrected, but let's, let's go to the next play. It worked in the first half. Now it's going to work in the second half. What goes into deciding when to – yeah, you know, we didn't really get to a lot of third downs in the second half. I think that can contribute to, you know, they have the ability to have the whole playbook open. And, um, you know, whether you, you could blitz that stuff or I chose I chose not to, but they, they had runs up, they had play actions up, boots. Um, you got to be a little bit careful of, of when you're just pinning your ears back and going. So I think when you can get them into a little bit more of a uh, must-pass situation, I think that allows you to be able to do more. Um, but we didn't do a good enough job of keeping them behind the sticks. You mentioned that, but it was a lot of that how successful they were on first down, and that's is that a tougher absolutely to call in terms of what the situation is. Absolutely, um, you know, it wasn't just getting first downs; it was they were getting chunks early in the drive, and that's never good. So I felt like some of those drives it was like two, three plays, bang, they're in the high red zone, they're in the red zone, and and that's that's explosives, right? That's what we talk about. You can't give up explosives. Um, that was the most disappointing thing. I think I, I, I said it before half, and I didn't, I didn't do it a good enough job of putting us in situations to eliminate, eliminate explosives. You know, they had um, nine, they had zero in the first half, nine in the second half. You can't, yeah, you can't play that way. So um, I got to do a better job of calling it in a way to limit those explosives and in the way that they were playing uh, I think if you eliminate some of those explosives, you, you get them behind the sticks or you don't let them chunk it down the field. What's it like as you're there on the sideline and this thing is going like a snowball down? What's it like trying to figure out a way to, to stem that? Yeah, you know, there's always a little bit of a, a balance of you don't know if, hey, is, are we getting schemed? Or are we getting out executed? And usually it's always going to be some sort of combination of everything. And that can be the hardest part to kind of put your finger on is where where are we falling out? What do we need to do to adjust? Um, but that's you rely on your coaches, your, your staff for that. Um, you rely on the guys upstairs. What are you seeing? Where are we giving up big plays? 
and then you try to figure out, okay, hey, this next drive, this is what we need to get to. Um, you know, obviously, I got to do a better job of that because it, whatever I decided to get to, it wasn't working. Getting from Kaiser White from that Philly connection. Week one, he was flying around. This week, he had that big hit on Saquon, which led to Jalen's interception. What have you seen from Kaiser White, though, leading the defense here in Arizona? Yeah, I think I think leadership has really – he's taken a step as a leader. Um, in Philly, it was a very veteran group, and he was – you know, that was his first year there. He was new to it, so he didn't necessarily step into a leadership role. I feel like he's done that, and I think, you know, some comfort in the defense has helped him get to that spot. He's always been a high-energy, violent dude on the field that – um, can run, you know, former safety in college. We put him in a lot of coverage situations where he's one-on-one -on, -one on guys and, and he's won. And so to me, like we got that player, it's just cool seeing him in the green dot, um, seeing him as a captain, a guy that's, that's leading the charge. I, you know, I got a, I got a soft spot for Kaiser, you know, he's, he's, you know, a really good teammate and I, I love that about him. And, um, I'm happy to see where he's, where he's going so far this year. Got to continue to improve. Do you expect him to kind of take over that leadership component that you're missing with Buda being out? I don't think anyone's going to replace Buda Baker as a leader. I think guys are going to be themselves, and I think we have enough leaders throughout the defense that there's not going to be a void in leadership. Um, but no one's, hey, you got to be Buda now until Buda. No, that's it's not that. Um, guy, I want guys to be themselves and and uh, not try to be someone that they're not. But I think we have a. a a group of leaders and a group of just good teammates, whether they look at themselves as leaders or not, that will we'll be, we'll be fine. You got your first taste of what the atmosphere can be like in the stadium when you're on defense and you know, everybody's pumping everybody up. I mean, what, is that, what was that like and how real does that affect for a defense? Yeah, um, obviously you love when, when the crowd is bumping on defense. Uh, I've, I've also been up in the, in the box for most of my career where you, you do start to feel that, but um, like once the drive is going and once the, once the um, the game is going, you know, as a play caller, you don't you don't necessarily notice a lot of that. Off of a stoppage, stuff like that, you can definitely start to feel that that loud noise. But um, yeah, anytime you're playing defense and the crowd is into it, that that's a good thing. A guy like Dante last week, and, and where has he grown the most since just coming to the back? Yeah, I think honestly, he's grown just being assignment sound. Um, he's a guy that we can rely on out there uh, in the run game and in the pass game. He has the tools to become a really good player. He knows he's got, he has to continue to make strides, but I'm excited. You know, he's, he's got to step into a big role right now. And, you know, I, I believe he's going to continue to get better week in, week out. How much can you kind of maybe put this, the adversity, the adversity you faced in the second half? The next week versus Dallas, do you put that immediately in motion? Or? Well, I don't. I don't know if that adversity necessarily goes right into Dallas. I think that's something. You know, the the poor second half that we had. I think it's something that we're going to learn from, to where when we're in that situation again, um, we we know how to play better and and finish that game. But that doesn't necessarily. We're not taking whatever those emotions or energy is into Dallas. To me you show up every day as the same person, right? And so we're showing up for this Dallas week like we would if we would have won that game um, with with our preparation process, with our with our psychological preparation and everything. What is the challenging part of Dak Prescott's game-to-game -game plan for? Well, I think just as an offense in general, they're very well-rounded, and, and Dak can 
beat you dropping back. He can beat you throwing quick game. He can beat you um, play action, boot, getting out of the pocket, throwing in the pocket, throwing on time, um, not on time, extending plays. Like that is that's hard to defend when people are not one dimensional. Is is what do you pick your poison? What do you want to take away? And whatever you end up taking away, you better do a good job with with um, with the other things and winning your you know point of attack one on ones. So. Uh, Dak is is well rounded. He's playing really efficient right now, and that that offense is rolling. So his his versatility, his decision making right now is is leading to them playing good on offense. In terms of learning from that game, Kaiser and both Jalen talked about a little bit of complacency. When you have a lead, maybe take your foot off the gas. Did, did you sense that? Talk after the game about that. No, no. Like I said, I actually had. Uh, the position coaches look at um, the difference in you know effort from the first half to the second half, and there really, there wasn't. I don't think you asked about stamina uh, earlier. There wasn't a huge necessarily drop off because we chart all those things. Um, I think it, it, it comes down to just executing better. You know, people want to use the word momentum, right? And I think momentum is a thing if if you think it's a thing, but ultimately, if you're trained to not let, okay, hey, we gave up this big play. If I'm trained to correct a problem and and move on to the next play, that it's not going to snowball. It's not going to have a snowball effect. So, you know, I'd say if anything, we got to we got to make sure that momentum is not an, a thing for us. It's it's always doesn't matter what happened in the past. I'm not thinking about the future. I'm right here in the present. What do I have to do on this play from a schematic standpoint, technique standpoint, all of that. Um, so yeah. Um, explosive. He's always been very explosive. He can he can hit you on and home run. You know you can't let him get through to the second third level, and because uh, he can he can take it the distance. Yeah, he's doing a good job right now, tilting the load. Yeah. All right, and last but not least, we will go ahead and um, queue up um, Jeff Rogers. Um, Special teams coach, I that you know I always like it. There, there's a couple things that he he says that's a uh, a little bit different than um than the other two because you know he he's often asked about you know uh well he he's often asked about the kicking but he's he's asked about you know plays they could they did make they didn't make. They could have made uh, stuff like that, and um, I think uh, you know, like he, he said before, that you have to look at it from a offensive and defensive perspective. And so I don't know. There's just a couple things that he does differently, or do, says differently, not does differently. Well, he does things differently too. But anyway, we'll go ahead and move on, uh, and and get. Uh, Jeff Rogers underway. What's up, guys? Have you already installed the uh, guy running off the edge to block kicks? <laughs> Players haven't been in yet, so find out tomorrow. Yeah. Is that going to change kind of how special team coaches plan against like, kick block, that type of thing? Well, it's not the first time it's happened. Uh, Primetime game, it was successful. So it, it certainly garners more attention. 
there's some things about that play, the timing elements of that play that obviously uh, New England had a beat on. And you look for that stuff as a, as a coach attacking field goal protection groups as well as your own field goal protection groups. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a checks and balances. You, you think you're looking at, you know, everything you need to, and it's like, okay, one more time, let's go through this again. Um, you know, Dallas happens to be a team that likes to look at the holder. You know when he's uh, when he's getting ready for the ball. So um, you know there's been times where people have been able to decoy that and um, maybe get him to jump. In a situation like Prater missing that first field goal and then he didn't have a problem the rest of the game, just from how experienced he is in the league, is he a type of player where you have to go and make sure he's not getting in his head, or he's just he's able to move past that pretty quickly? In a situation? Yeah, I mean. I've been around Matt for a while. Um, he knows what he needs to do. Um, and that particular kick, he, you know, he just he, he barely missed it, but um, obviously wasn't uh, planning on doing that. He's he's mature enough. He's been through enough things. He kind of gets right back on the horse and uh, gets back after it. I mean, you you've been doing this for a long time. Were you surprised at all of the general and and with fans and and stuff in terms of how? The reaction when a when a field goal is missed, I mean, it feels like everybody expects these all to go through 100% of the time. I mean, if you go back and look at 40 years ago, if a guy was making 60% of his field goals, it was really good. So are you surprised at all that people just automatically assume these guys are going to make every single one of these? I don't know. I mean, guys are, guys are pros at whatever the task is, right? Like, if... And just take it beyond specialists. Like there's an eligible receiver and he doesn't come with a ball, come down with a ball, or a wide open receiver that gets you know overthrown and stuff. Like there's human error with all those things. And if you're a little off, um, you know it can it can cause an issue. But um, my experience has been fans have pretty high expectations. Not punting until you guys had to that late in the game. What's the protocol, I guess, that you put in place with somebody like Cooney or whoever your punter is to kind of stay fresh and stay focused throughout the game? Yeah, I kind of leave it up to them, whatever their needs are. Um, it, you know, that's not something that's common to not punt until those points in the game. But um, what you don't want to do is, hey, every time we get the ball, you know, let's have 15 punts. And at the end of the game, they've, they've punted the ball into a net 100 times. and. Um, so they, they kind of, with kickers and punters, they're always going to hit a couple, you know, when the drive starts, and then kind of just watch what happens. Um, you know, there's, there's things that guys, so even if you're on defense, you know, if a kicker hasn't gotten up off the bench in, you know, 10 minutes, you know, and you have a pick six and it's going the other way, he's got to be ready to kick that, uh, that extra point. So, um, Kickers, like usually the predictability for a punter is like the drive is going on. You kind of see what's going on with the kicker. It can happen at any point. But then again, with the punter, you know, a safety, you know, puts him in action right away. So to answer your question, I kind of leave it up to them to see what they need um, and just seeing how guys perform in those situations. Maybe you make an adjustment or maybe you leave it the same. Do you expect more teams to replicate what the Patriots did now? And if so, does that change kind of how you approach every week now, trying to make sure guys are aware of more? I think you show it to your guys. There will be 
no less than five of our players who will say, Coach, I can do exactly what that guy did. Um, but you have to have the timing elements of those things. It, it, I promise you this, it was not random. It was very detailed. The player was, was perfect in terms of what he was doing. I have a pretty good guess on how I think they worked it, but um, you know, it's a good, good play by them. I apologize that, to be honest with you guys, I'm not entirely sure what uh, play um, they're referring to. Apparently, it must have been a good one for for the Patriots. Um, but but that's the the sort of stuff that you you get from you know Jeff Rogers. I don't know if there's any other team that has hey you know I want all three quarter all three quarters quarterbacks all three coordinators speak to the media on this day and I know it you know ever since I've been watching these you know as a fan and now watching them as a fan and as someone that you know does what he can to cover the team and um you know regurgitate information to you guys that this has ever been done you know um and so I apologize that I'm not as prepared I'll have to look at it myself but um it you know, so some people might see big plays on special teams and, you know, man, oh, uh, man, I wish my team can replicate that. And, you know, it it turns out that you have the right guys and the time is right, then you, you can. Um, it's something that you, you can you can practice and, and, you know, being a Bill Belichick-led team, even though he doesn't necessarily lead – you know, special teams, you know, I, I know he's just as evolved as anywhere else. That, um, you know, it is calculated. And uh, even though it doesn't doesn't seem as, as such. Um, obviously, uh, Jeff Rogers, uh, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. But um, it is kind of encouraging that, you you know, you show it to your guys and say, hey, kind of what do you think? And obviously he said, well, you know, there's always about five or so guys. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> and uh, like Cliff says, you know, you have guys to say, hey, I got it, coach. I got it, coach. And then, you know, come game day or, or whatever, they don't got it. Um, so um, I guess you can say it would be something to look out for. Um, see if uh, the uh, Cardinals special teams – uh, can uh, can um, hit a big play on on special teams. Uh, that's uh, everything, uh, Cardinals. We'll go ahead and, and uh, move into uh, some um, ASU real quick. We had um, Kennedy Dillingham spoke to the media uh, yesterday after practice, so we'll get into that uh, up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. All right, moving on to um, ASU. Kenny Dillingham spoke to media, uh, and I know last we heard from him, he says, hey, we will get it fixed. I guarantee you there will be um, some follow-up questions on that um, statement he made. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I think we need, offensively, we need a little bit of boost, so I'm going to do whatever I think uh, can help us get a little bit of boost of energy out here. And, uh, you know, so today I was a little bit more involved in uh, offense than I have been, uh, just to try to, you know, get us going and get us off a little bit of a rut we're in. Will that apply for the game as well? Yeah, I mean, probably, just because I'm just trying to get us into this, get us into a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, to be honest. It's just one of those deals where I'm just trying to get our guys to do a rhythm, and me as the head coach, whenever I'm more involved in the side of the ball, they're going to feel a sense of urgency. So I'm just trying to get more involved in that side of the ball uh, this week to try to feel that sense of urgency, uh, to try to get us something sparked. And how good was it that Drew back out there in your front practice? Yeah, it was good. It was really nice. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think our guys work really hard and they care. So, I mean, when you work hard and care, you're probably going to bounce back sooner than you uh, anticipated. What's the biggest challenge against USC Saturday offense? They're really, really good. Uh, so, that's the biggest challenge is they have, I mean, unbelievable players all over the field. Uh, every spot is an unbelievable player. So, there is no real weakness of, uh, of these football teams. So, uh, the challenge is you have to be play a game that is clean. You have to make them earn every yard. You can't give them uh, MAs to give them free plays. They have to earn it, and they're going to make some spectacular plays because they have really good players, right? You've just got to weather the storms and continue to play good defense, and uh, you'll get them off the field. Any thoughts of it being like the last time you guys will be playing? No. I'm, I'm not like a sentimental person like that at all. We go to get better every day. Every single day, we're just going to show out here. We're going to get better. We're going to compete. We're going to get better again. We're going to compete. We're going to get better again. We're going to compete. And eventually, right, the people will like what they see. He actually threw the ball better than he has in the past. I think, you know, game weeks, his, his release was a lot higher than he showed in the past. He was getting on top of a lot of his throws, uh, which was clean. So I thought he had a really good day. And obviously, with him not getting a ton of stuff, it's awesome stuff to get thrown into a game like that. Nice job with the plays that he kind of knew with the spring game, with spring and the beginning of fall camp. The game plan stuff was a little bit more difficult, not getting the reps. So uh, that was the challenge, I would say. But I thought he did a really nice job with the plays that were there. We just got to not press a quarterback. And like I said, I think that's 100% my fault for going into the game with multiple quarterbacks. We put too much pressure on them to make big plays. And uh, that, I, I put that 100% on me, and uh, not the players, not the kids, and I'm going to get that fixed. As part of all of this, what, and you may be calling plays on Saturday, how much different might a play sheet look? Identical, uh, really identical. Uh, everybody thinks a little bit different, so there may be a little bit of a different thought processes going into this game than another game, but identical. Coach Baldwin and I are on the same page, right? This isn't about who's calling the plays. This is about me getting more involved in the side of the ball right now that needs more attention, right? If our defense was struggling, I would do the same thing defensively. If our special teams were struggling, I'd be way more involved in special teams. This is just me saying, okay, you know, we need a bump in offense, so where can I go help the team right now? I can go help them focusing all my energy on offense right now, and that's really what that is. Nothing more than that. Kenny, what's the collective bounce back or collective mindset look like from the guys? They want, they want to compete, man. There's no quit. And that's what I said after the game, man. I was proud of them. It's not the result we wanted. Nobody's happy. If you read the Twitter viewer and all that stuff, right, you can get caught in a, in a world of agony, right? But who really cares what they think, right? All that matters is you go out and get better every single day. That's all you can do. So the response is clean. 
performance and get better today. Because that's I say it over and over again, but that is literally all we talk about. The fans and the, the, the fact that this game is so publicized make people wrapped up in the wins and the losses. You have to be able to channel the wins and the losses out and focus on the process. If you focus on the process long enough, the bamboo will grow. Playing in a nationally televised game against the fifth-ranked team in the country, how do you deal with that mentally with the guys? I haven't even talked about it. Go play the game. It's football is football. Go execute. Go do what we got to do. Uh, so obviously Drew has a has a chance. Probably will return this week. Uh, he feel better. Uh, there's a chance Cade Briggs can return. Small chance. Uh, not getting reps right now, but. There is a chance he can return. Uh, Clayton Smith is doubtful right now, but to say he's out is, is not accurate, but very, very doubtful from that standpoint. Uh, Trenton is very, very doubtful. Uh, but obviously, when you're dealing with injuries that are like ankles and like tweaks, you some kids grow and respond faster than others, and some kids have a higher pain tolerance to kind of deal with things and function and positions affect that. So we won't really know until we get to, you know, Thursday, Friday. But those are the guys that could potentially, and then Antonio Cooper is back. Uh, Anthony Cooper is back. No, it's Antonio. Anthony Cooper is back uh, this week. That's Conyers. Uh, he'll be back this week as well. Who's in charge of the playlist today? The playlist? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I think, I mean, it's, you know, Heritage Month, so we were trying to, you know, get into it. You guys good? Thanks. Players are over there. All right, well, that's uh, everything I have on ASU. I don't really have anything to comment about what he said and a health update there at the end. Some guys coming back. Uh, Trent Borgay likely not. Uh, Drew Pine uh, uh, liked his, the, the practice he had. Uh, likely he'll get the start, probably focus on Drew Pine getting more of uh, the majority of the reps. And of course, uh, three you know playing three quarterbacks um, is was you know is something that uh, uh, Kenny Dillingham mentioned that that's it's his fault you know that that wasn't he shouldn't have done that and uh, he takes the the blame on that. Last but not least, we're gonna try to get into a little bit of deep dive of the um, eleven may, remaining games, including the game that is currently being played at the time of this recording. Um, uh, as, as it pertains to the Diamondbacks. And uh, so we'll, uh, we'll do that um, up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. So um, right now, uh, Diamondbacks are uh, in the midst of a game and a series against the, the Giants. We'll talk about that. Uh, for uh, tomorrow's show, but I want to um, uh, get into, you know, uh, the meat of this uh, this schedule and, uh, you know, playoff implications and stuff like that. Right now, uh, Diamondbacks are one of the hotter teams, and that's kind of a topic that uh, Dan and Vince on uh, 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 98.7 FM Arizona Sports, they talked about it. Um, and so courtesy Arizona sports, uh, YouTube page, um, for the, uh, the following, um, conversation. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. 
Weekly Blast. Down the stretch they come in one of the greatest, most important baseball seasons in history, and our long-shot Diamondbacks are still in the race. Now they might come up lame. They might accelerate like Secretariat. No one knows because they are the horse that no one can figure out, including themselves. They're also the team that nobody wants to play, a team that could roll into a hostile city and steal a playoff series from a heavily favored opponent. So, in a marathon that has given us Shohei's dual threat brilliance, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s 30-60 campaign, a new crop of stars and dazzling rookies, and a pitch clock that might have saved the entire sport from extinction, it is time to get the proverbial popcorn. The final 11 games should be viewed like a mini-series, required viewing in Arizona, because today is game number 152, the exact time when the 2001 Diamondbacks went on an eight-game winning streak to secure their playoff spot, then won a World Series with two aces, an opportunistic offense, a solid bullpen, and a tightrope act closer. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound absurd? Of course it does. But in a season like this, you never know what's next. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at chapmanbmw.com. Enjoy the off day tomorrow, and then we've got to put our hard hats back on and, and get after it. The Giants are coming to town. They're a team that's doing the same thing we are. Uh, and I know our team will be ready to go. That's Tori Lovello Sunday after the uh, Diamondbacks finished off the three-game sweep of the Cubs with the nationally televised 6-2 win on ESPN. The D-backs right now in that number two wild card spot, which is an interesting place to be. And if you look at the current snapshot, the bracket, if you mm -hmm. will, they would be the fifth seed in the NL if the if the playoffs were to start today. Mm -hmm. And going up against the Philadelphia Phillies mm -hmm. in a three-game, best-of-three series in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, that can change at the drop of a hat. The team that's coming into town right now, the San Francisco Giants, are on the outside looking in as are the Miami Marlins and, uh, you know, and a couple of other teams in that mix, you have no wiggle room None. to have anything sustained in terms of not winning baseball right now. Yeah, so as we said um, during the Rush Hour reboot, every start from Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly from this point forward feels like a must-win baseball game. Mm -hmm. If you want to advance in the postseason, if you want to get to the postseason. Uh, the Diamondbacks are blessed with a couple of day days off between now and the end of the season. This Thursday and the following Thursday that is going to give Torrey Lovello the ability to go to a four-man pitching rotation, which I'm sure he is going to do. Um, as pointed out in AZ Central today, and I think it's a very good piece, the, uh, the Diamondbacks have two sets of rules now. Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, they're trying to go as far as they can in every single game they pitch. The other three or the other two, no. The other two, it's it's get me through the lineup two and a half times and you are done before you face the third hole and beyond a third time. And then it becomes the bullpen kind of stuff to mm -hmm. win games. Um, what I don't want to see at this point going forward, no prescribed days off. No, no prescribed days off. days off. Yeah, Corbin's taking a day today. It's 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 no. it's his off. Oh, yeah. It's his day Could off. you imagine yeah. no. the reaction to no, that? No, no, no. Uh, going back to what you just pointed out on the on the different rules for Kelly and Gallon and everybody else. Tori Lavello talked about that 
a, a little bit on Sunday uh, and how the front office has kind of allowed that to happen? I rely on the front office a lot. They have a 30,000-foot um, view, and they're, they're, they're seeing it just a little bit differently. Sometimes they'll walk in and they'll tell me something that doesn't make sense to me, and then I start to ask questions about the people of the people that are around me that I know and trust, bench coach, coaches, whatever. And I trust the front office, but I count on a lot of people to fill in, fill in the gaps for me, and I pay attention to it. I've been saying recently, if one of the front office members comes in and tells me that Christmas trees grow on Mars, I'm going to listen. I got to listen. And they're telling me that for a reason. So I got I got to learn. And those are the discussions we start to have about starting pitching. Just pay attention. Open up your eyes. Pay attention to what's going on. And um, it's been working. So that tour has changed in the last few weeks? Though, yeah, it's been a shift, 100% of a shift. And, yeah, it's, we started talking right when it started happening. Uh, we probably had that discussion for about a week. Yeah, and here's where it gets interesting with 10 games remaining, going into game one or 11 games, going into game 152 and the Diamondbacks right in the thick of it and actually in a playoff spot right now as the front office plays into this. There's rumors about the front office mm-hmm. because the Boston Red Sox fired Hyam Bloom uh, as their head of baseball operations. Mm-hmm. So not the first time this has happened uh, during Mike Hazen's tenure with the Diamondbacks that he's been linked to a return to the organization he came to Arizona from, and that's the Boston Red Sox. Um Derek Hall, the president and CEO, we're going to talk to Derek on Thursday for his weekly visit, but he was asked about it yesterday. Nick Picoro had a piece in AZ Central where Derek says, yeah, the Red Sox haven't contacted me, and I hope they don't. Uh, he, Mike Hazen's under contract, and we like him. Um, you know, that would be a tough one if the Red Sox uh, do, do call, he said. Uh, quote, I feel like we both negotiated a contract for a reason. Contracts protect him just as they protect us. He's aware of that. He's meant a lot to this franchise. I really like the situation he has navigated and created here. So I just can't see us going in a different direction. He also commented, hey, from what I know, Mike is still very happy here with the Diamondbacks. But, you know, at the very baseline of it, at this time, something like this can be a massive distraction to a baseball team that's trying to figure out a way to, to lock down yeah, one of those spots. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I, I'm not sure that pl- it becomes a distraction when reporters are constantly asking players about this that issue. I, I don't know if they're going to get uh, bombarded with questions about Mike Hazen's future. But it, it may be. It might be out there. Uh, I, I think this, it, it, when you read that response from Derek Hall, it sounds like somebody who might put up a roadblock sign, a stop sign, mm-hmm. as in, nope, you cannot have permission to talk to him. Uh, I really doubt it would get to that point, to be honest with you. I, I think that they've got such a good re- relationship, and Mike Hazen's been through so much that if he came to Derek Hall and said, listen, man, I'm from there. Um, we've had a great run here, but I, I really would like to go home. I really would have a hard time believing the Diamondbacks would say, nope, you're contractually obligated to us. I don't think that's how they roll. But but I do think that um, it, there'd be a lot of reasons for him to stay, and this might not be a bad time and a, a bad way for him to get an extension. Because like I said, there, there will be a time when people will look back. If this baseball team makes the postseason, and if they make any noise in the postseason, this baseball team was created while Mike Hazen was losing his life partner. This story cannot be stated enough. This team was built with notes of sadness and tragedy and and what he's had to go through and and the stories of how Tori Lovello's wife would go and, and hang with Mike Hazen's wife all day long so the two men could do their jobs. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're all connected. And I personally, I personally, throughout the years and throughout the, all the losing seasons, I think the Diamondbacks have the right people. I think they got the right GM. I think they have the right manager. And, and I would love for this to be one of those situations where you get guys who've been in these positions for a decade plus. They're getting close. They're getting close. Seven years. Yeah, they're getting close. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. 640 first pitch tonight with Zach Gallen on the mound in a huge game for the Diamondbacks. Pre-game starts at 6 on Arizona Sports on 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Yeah, what they were talking about there at the end is is uh, Mike Hazen losing uh, his wife, Nicole. And uh, that is tough, but he, he, he built a pretty solid team, you know. Uh, like to have won the, the, the division that, uh, has, uh, uh, not been possible for a little while now. Um, that is the, uh, Dodgers and Dodgers alone to, uh, to claim that. Um, but the biggest thing is of course, uh, where the Diamondbacks are. They are three games back of the Phillies, um, tied, with uh, Chicago and um, and uh, only a half game ahead of Miami right now currently. Um, they um, are winning this uh, this current game right now against the Giants that this is a um, you know at best you just gotta walk away with a, a split here um, and then, they got the Yankees after that. But this is how close the National League is as far as wild card and that that's what the Diamondbacks can earn. So like I said, three three games. Phillies is three games ahead. Diamondbacks are tied with the uh, uh, Cubs and uh, get the tiebreaker because of the season series, the head-to-head. Uh, Miami is a half game behind them. And Cincinnati... Um, is one game back of of uh, Arizona and Chicago, um, and these uh, Giants are two and a half. So, you know, um, f- if Diamondbacks with the next inning or so fall on their face, lose uh, tonight, and then, uh, or well, at the time of this recording tonight, um, and then uh, um, tomorrow then uh, they can easily be flipped. They, you know, San Francisco could easily be, you know, right there in the mix. Um, and then uh, the the Padres are, are not close uh, enough. Uh, so we won't worry about them. So um, let's look at, again, um, where, what the Diamondbacks have coming up. So, they play the Yankees, three games set against the Yankees. Yankees are, um, and a couple of them are nationally televised, by the way, or, well, televised by ESPN+. Plus. The Yankees are um, in that, uh, America, that tough American League East with Baltimore and Tampa that have already clinched a spot, Toronto, uh, is third and Yankees is is uh, fourth. Boston is uh, fifth. Yankees are seventy six and uh, seventy five, one game above five hundred. Um, and as where they sit in the wild card, it's kind of congested for them. So 
Toronto has that number one spot. Or no, no, no. Tampa has that number one spot. Uh, and it is locked down. Uh, Toronto and Texas are uh, two and three. Uh, Toronto is one game up on that second spot uh, ahead of Texas. And Texas is only a half game up uh, of Seattle. Um, and um, New York is seven games back, but with 11 games to go, that, that can uh, uh, um that can change. Um, so a very important series for the Yankees and the Diamondbacks. Um, but if you're the Diamondbacks, you you have to you have to take the series. So you have to take that one uh, two to one. That's the minimum. Then you have the White Sox. Um, if you look at the the White Sox, um, they are eliminated already. So they, they they don't have really anything um to uh to play for at all. Um they are 58 and 94, 22 games back from first place. Da da da. Uh they don't have they don't have anything. So they they're just basically playing a uh, spoiler. Um that one you have every every possibility for a sweep, but again, an, an, another, you need to take uh, two of three there um, just to kind of keep your foot on the gas. And then lastly, you play a three-game set at home. Uh, you end the season at home against the Astros. Um, the Astros are... They ha- they're first in their West Division, but they haven't clinched a, a spot yet. Um, as far as the wild card um, goes for for them, they are um, either going to be in or, um, let's see, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. They're either going to be in or they're not. I I don't. Uh, they either b- basically win the division or or they're not even um, getting the the wild card. I I don't believe it. the way I look at this. Um, if I'm looking at it uh, correctly, yeah. So they're even. They're they're pretty much all all sewn up. I guess you can say they don't have really a whole heck of a lot to play for. They'll be playing spoiler, but what they do have to play for is if they if they don't keep the foot on the gas, they're only a half game above uh, Texas, and uh, they're you know Texas and Seattle are right in the mix for second and third wild card spot. Right now, Texas will get the third. Tampa's already gotten the first. They, you know, and again, like I said, Texas is one game back of Toronto for that second spot. Seattle is a half game back. So it's, it's, it's very crucial for the, um, for the diamond back or for, yeah, for the, uh, well, for the Astros to keep their foot on the gas, um, and then, of course, that bare minimum for the Diamondbacks is uh, to to uh, to uh, win the series and take two of three. Now, if you look at 
um, strength of a schedule. So um, right now, um, as I said, uh, we'll start with the Diamondbacks. They are um, they are playing a third uh, a third place Giants team. Then they are playing a fourth place in a tough division um, New York, New York team that has uh, something to play for Giants that have something to play for. Um, and then they're playing the White Sox, who are already eliminated, and then the Astros, who are first place. Um, the Giants, since uh, well, let's let's skip the Giants and let's go to um, let's go to the Phillies, who are in first uh, first place wild card. Um, the Phillies have a two games, uh, no, three in the middle of a three game set against the Braves, at which they've won one and they've lost one. Um, and they, they will play again, uh, uh, this, uh, in the, in the morning. Um, then they have, um, Four against the Mets, and the Mets are um, fourth place team below five hundred. Um, probably next to be eliminated, so nothing super tough. Obviously, they're playing, you know, finishing up against the number one and probably best overall record, um, Atlanta Braves. Um, but a, a bad, uh, Mets team, uh, four games there. And then after that, they are, um, at home against the pirates. They have three against the, uh, the pirates who are in their division. No, 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 they're not. They're in the central. So a bad pirates team. Um, that don't really have anything to play for, a Mets team that doesn't really have um, anything to uh, to play for, and um, and then after that, they will let's see, um, play the Mets again. So Phillies have a really easy easy ending schedule. Um, Compared, you know, so far the easiest uh, that 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 affect the the Diamondbacks. I know a lot of this kind of sounds boring, but this is this is important. Um, you know, game stretch. So uh, let's look at uh, who the Diamondbacks. Um, who else they have to worry about, and the Cubs. So the Cubs. They are uh, in the middle of pay- playing that that bad pirates team, so, um, and then they play a eliminated Rockies team, and then they play first place Braves team. Will will probably be resting guys, and then they play a bad Brewers team, 
Um, that, uh, no, 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 not a bad Brewers team. Sorry. A good, a first place Brewers team that are ahead of Chicago. Um, but if Chicago wants to win the central, you know, they, they need the Brewers to, to lose. They, they still have time. So like I said, Chicago is still fighting for a wild card, but they're also fighting for a division. So, um, you know, it's, it's always big for Chicago to, to play well. Um, so Philly has still the worst. Um, right now, I still say Diamondbacks have the hardest, uh, and then uh, Chicago has uh, you know the second um, easiest behind uh, Philly, and then we look at Miami, who's right there. Miami plays, uh, they're in the middle of a uh, the bad Mets. Um, then they have the first place Brewers. And then they play bad Mets and bad Pirates. Um, so right about the same um, as, uh, as the Phillies, I guess. Um, their their, their uh, schedule. Uh, and then lastly, we'll go ahead and look at Cincinnati. They will. They are in the middle of a uh, uh, of uh, a series against the Twins, and the Twins are uh, first place in the Central. Probably going to lock that up, and then then they have uh, they're at home. Uh, for three against the Pirates that are uh, n- not good. Um, and then they're playing the Guardians um, after that that uh, are right behind Minnesota. Plenty, uh, you know, just barely plenty of games to um, pass up Minnesota if they want to. So um, a a uh, okay, um, a was it? What did I say? Okay, okay, uh, Minnesota and okay, Cleveland team, and um, then they um play the um. Let's see. Hold on. Where where did Miami go? I lost their their schedule. Da, 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 da. Oh, there's there's Miami, and then they they play. No, why was I talking about Miami? Oh no, that's Cincinnati. I need. Sorry, I'm sorry, guys. It's hard to go back and forth. I should have wrote this all down, but it was a lot to write down. It was just kind of easier to do it on this app. Um, then they play an eliminated or well, will be. Are they eliminated? Um, yes, an eliminated, um, Cardinals team. Uh, so I, I would say because of overall and what they have to play for, the Reds have a very tough schedule so that that actually works in the favor of uh, Cincinnati, but no reason to, uh, you know, let their foot off the, the gas. And then lastly, we will look at. Um, the, um, 
Giants. So the Giants um, are in this two-game set against the Diamondbacks. Um, and then they will um, play... Let's see. Then they have... Uh, da, 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 da. Um, a makeup a game against the Rockies, an eliminated Rockies. So one game against the Rockies. Um, that they're in the midst of right now. So that's um should be um no that that game is already taken care of. So never mind they. I think they are off. I think, I think they're off right now. But they'll they'll play the Dodgers. First place uh, Dodgers. They will be resting guys more than likely. Um, but it's still a tough one. A already eliminated or soon to be eliminated Padres. So easy. And then they they finish up with the Dodgers. So the Giants, depending on how tough the Dodgers will play the Giants, um, it, that their schedule is. Uh, is not favorable to them, but favorable to the to the Diamondbacks. So, um, I mean, all in all, like I said, the Diamondbacks just need to find a way to keep their foot on on the gas, uh, especially um, within in, in this. So, I would say the Reds. It's a tough schedule, so that helps the Diamondbacks. Um, Everybody else has a pretty easy schedule going uh, going forward, um, which will you know because their schedule is easier, will make it tougher on the on the Diamondbacks. But um, some of those teams um, do play uh, tough uh, tough teams, and um, and then will play some spoilers as well. So. It's it's a very very important, like I said, uh, stretch. Uh, um, so win win or go home time for Diamondbacks. They have to if they can win if they win every series, uh, split the uh, including splitting with the Giants. They they should be they should be in this thing. Um, uh, I. They have a chance to catch the Phillies, but like I said, the, those those Phillies they have a pretty pretty fair favorable schedule. So um, if the Diamondbacks um, sweep the Giants and sweep the uh, White Sox, um, they they and depending on what the um, Phillies do, they uh, they could they could be in that number one spot. But as of right now, if the playoffs started, you already heard uh, Dan and Vince kind of step on it in my toes of where I was going to wrap this thing up. They would, uh, of course, uh, be playing that uh, Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh, that Phillies uh, team in, in Philadelphia. So there's kind of a deeper dive. I know it m- might have been a little bit boring, but uh, kind of what we're looking at. So uh, like I said, it all comes down to uh, Diamondbacks need to win and they are in the midst of uh, rather very important baseball. Uh, that's everything I have. Um, we will talk um, Diamondbacks and um, 
the game that uh, uh, is going on right now um, tomorrow and uh, um, maybe some more Cardinals and uh, ASU as well. Uh, so, like I said, that's the show. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, double dipping today uh, because of uh, technical technical issues for getting yesterday's show up. Um, and uh, as always, you can email me if you have anything to say or anything to add or questions, comments, concerns, anything. Um, get involved in the conversation. You uh, BigSkySportsTalk at gmail.com is the way to do it. Um, you can also... Uh, direct message me on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Big Sky Sports Talk. You just type that in the search par and um, easy to find. And then, uh, you know, if you want to follow and, and like, comment, and share any of the posts, do that. And, and I have some th- uh, content on uh, TikTok and uh, YouTube also at Big Sky Sports Talk. And then, uh, f- as far as listening to the show, plenty of places uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, Google. Uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, um, Audible, just to name a few, um, and hit that uh, subscribe button on those and the uh, bell notification so you don't miss out. Uh, share it with your friends, your family, your neighbors, and enemies. Get the uh, word out about the show and really, really help me out. Uh, I need that uh, uh, quite uh, quite a bit. Um, other than that, I, I hope you guys have... Uh, a uh, a good um, a uh, a good Wednesday, and um, your your Thursday goes well as is as well. Uh, until uh, tomorrow, I appreciate you guys, and we will talk again uh, soon. Thanks again. <laughs>